after. Yes. And I just computer, so you you it's all yours now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on, give Jesus a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I tell you, I've been blessed this morning. Sitting in that time of worship and praising him and, get, and, and blessing him and enjoying the presence of the Lord. Because that's, that's what it's all about. Jesus is in the house. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's in the house. And that is just a real pre precious thing. You know, you don't get that everywhere. My wife and I, we travel around extensively, and we go to a lot of churches. Now, not, not this past year. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> not during the pandemic, but before that, we've traveled. But it's always a blessing to come back to uh, Shrewsbury Assembly to see friends. And uh, we were the, the uh, interim pastors here for a while and enjoyed our time. And we do enjoy coming back. And it's a real treat for myself. I'm sure my wife has a word of greeting for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you just take a moment and bow your heads with me as, once again, the Spirit of God is here. He's in the house. It's a matter of us just getting in tune, turning our eyes and turning our mind and turning our hearts on Him. Would you do that right now as we prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God today? Hallelujah. Father, we're, we're thankful because we know that you're in the midst of your people because that's what you said. Where two or three are gathered together in your name, you would be there. And so, Lord, we know that you are here. And everything that we know about you, everything that you did while you were upon this earth, Lord Jesus, is available to us today. Heavenly Father, you put us into Christ. We didn't choose it. You chose us. And you brought us to that place of acceptance, and we say thank you. And Lord, now we know that we can come with boldness into your presence and believe you for great and mighty things, to believe you for the impossible, for with God all things are possible. And Lord, we're asking that for our own lives this morning, for hearts, for physical bodies, O oh God, for minds, for families, for children for the gospel of Jesus to go forth in power and demonstration around this world. Lord, we're, we're believing you. We're believing you, Lord, for great and mighty things. And for this, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. There was an atheist who died. And they had a funeral service for him. And his friends gathered around, and two of his buddies came up and were standing by the casket, you know, looking at the casket. And they were viewing him. And finally, one of the guys that were there said, as he looked at him, he said, he said, look at him, all dressed up and no place to go. All dressed up and no place to go. As a pastor, now I'm in my 56th year of ministry. 
And I have, I've done a lot of weddings, which I'm thankful for, but I've also done a lot of funerals. And one thing I've always, very, just about all the time when I do a funeral, I always say, say this to the folk that come. I said, now some of you have come to be part of a funeral, but others of us have come to be part of a home going. Because that's what it is, it's a home going. And, and, and that's a tremendous concept, the home going. When we say goodbye to someone, we know that we'll see them on the other side. But this morning, I don't want to talk about home goings. I want to talk about homecomings. My wife and I have come back here, and it's like coming back to home. We enjoy the folk. We know different ones here. We've known them for years. But homecoming, in fact, has been very exciting for us. I have a great-grandson, and he is with, was with his mom and dad over in Spain. He's in the Air Force. He got deployed, and so his mom decided to come to the States and bring him back. And we've enjoyed that little bugger, I tell you. <laughs> It's just exciting. And so when, when, when he came, we, we had a homecoming. All the family gathered at his grandmother's house, and we were all there, and it was noisy. It was all sorts of goodies, I tell you, to eat and everything else. You know what one of those jobs are. But it was a homecoming. And I think about my mom. My mom lived to about 94, 95 years of age, and she was part of a, a German church. And there was a whole crew of old German ladies that were prayer warriors. I mean, people that love God and, and women that just serve the Lord. They were at everything, do anything that needed to be, and they were there. And they all died, but my mother. You know, years came, and it seemed like years came and went. And finally, my mom passed away and went to be with the Lord. And I had this, so I said, can I imagine when she got to heaven, were all these old German ladies standing at the gate of heaven, and finally when she arrives, they look at her and says, endlich, in German that means finally you got here. <laughs> Finally, you got here. Homecoming. As I've gotten a little older, I begin to think a little bit more about my homecoming. How about you? You know, we, we, I, I think we, that's part of, of, of just our process. And so I think that's a good thing. I think it's not only good for older people to think about homegoing, but younger people. Because what you're doing, you're thinking about heaven. And my question this morning is, is heaven real to you? Is heaven real to you? Do you ever spend time pondering eternity? Do you ever dream about it? Had visions about the glorious place? And one day, you and I will be there. Jesus said this to his disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye shall be. What? Also. Heaven is real. Heaven is a place. Heaven has been prepared for you and for me. But what sort of place is heaven? What is it like? You know, Paul was a little frustrated as he, he says, we look through a glass darkly. We don't, we don't fully see it all. We don't understand it all. But the Word of God gives us some insight, gives us some point of view as to what our home in heaven will be like. And this morning, I'd like to spend a few moments with you as we look at some of those things. And you say, well, Pastor, why are you speaking about heaven? Because you, maybe because you're an old guy? That's true, yeah. I'm a little closer than some of you, you know. I'm going to be 80 in a few months, and so uh, it's, 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 you know, it's getting a little closer. But we're living in a 
very interesting age, a very interesting time. I think more people are depressed, more people are discouraged, more people are down, more people are, if you watch the news, that's the case. I mean, I'll tell you that right now. If you're a news person, you're in trouble. I've given that news up. My only news I want to know is the good news of Jesus. Can you say amen, church? But I'm saying, we live in an environment, environment of, 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 of the world that's changing, of, of our culture that's changing, of the mores that are changing. All these things are changing. But we have a hope, a heavenly hope, an eternal hope is found in Jesus Christ. I want you to know that, first of all, heaven is going to be a place of reunion. You know, when I think about heaven, and, you know, I have friends and family there. How about you? Raise your hand if you've got somebody in heaven. I have a father and a mother, and I have two brothers in heaven. I have cousins. I have aunts and uncles in heaven. I remember as a kid growing up when the, when the, when the aunts and uncles and cousins would get together at one of the houses, you know, they, they would sing in Russian and Polish and German. And if, after supper, sure enough, they would have a service, and we had to sit there whether we liked it or not. <laughs> and then we had to pray for an hour or so to get on our knees and pray. Remember those days when you had to get down and pray? And, 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 and uh, that, that, that was, that's what it was like. But now those aunts and uncles and a and bunch of the cousins, they're all in heaven now. But that makes heavens a little sweeter, doesn't it? When we know someone, when we have someone, and, and I'm looking forward to, to be there with them, with, with my brothers and with my mom and dad. But, you know, with that, I'm also looking forward to that, that, that moment when we get to heaven and, and, and we'll be able to see the heroes that we've read about in the Bible all our lives. Men and women who have gone before us, we'll see them, we'll know them, we'll fellowship with them through the ages of time. Now, I want to ask Rahab. You know, she was the harlot that lived in the Jericho wall. And when the wall came down, all, all the wall came down except where she lived. And, 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 she, was, and she was saved. And she was saved. There, she looked at the whole, all, all the walls of Jericho fell, but where she lived because God said that he would take care of her. I'd like to talk to Caleb and say, Caleb, what made you and Joshua different than the other guys? You know, they came back and the ten spies, they had a bad report and the Jews were not able to go into the promised land. I said, Caleb, well, what was it? What was it about you and Joshua that, that gave you the ability to see what God can do and how God would perform? When I meet Jonathan, I want to pull him aside and say, Jonathan, can you tell me, how did you feel when, when Samuel said that David was going to be king and not you? He said, Jonathan was the son of Saul. He was the rightful king. But God said, no, I don't want Jonathan. I want, how, how would you feel? Man, I tell you, everybody, I don't want to be rejected. <laughs> Nobody likes rejection. Jonathan, how did you take that? How did you feel about that? And I'm sure we'll have an interesting conversation. Can you imagine when, when, when you meet Elijah? Uh, you know, and say, Elijah, tell me about, tell me about, uh, about that time when, when you took on all the prophets of Baal. You know, and, 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 and I'm, on, I'm on Carmel there. And, and you put the altar together, and you put the sacrifice on it, and you put all the water around it. And then the, the, the prophets of Baal, they tried to bring down fire, and nothing happened. And then you prayed, and fire came down. The, the heavens were rent, and fire came down and, 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 and burnt up the offering and burnt up the, the altar and slapped up the water. And, and people said, God is real. Jehovah, Jehovah is God. Jehovah. Can you imagine what an excitement that would be? I've read about it, but one day I'm going to hear it firsthand. Can you say amen? 
I want to hear, hear Paul's description of how he felt when he heard the prison guards walking down that stark, dreary, damp corridor to his prison cell and heard the key being put into the lock and the door being opened, and they said, it's time. And they take him out, and he knows he's going to be beheaded for the kingdom of God. Paul, how did you feel? What went through your mind? I, I, I want to I talk to Peter. You know, Peter messed up. Spent three years in Bible school, and then he failed. He messed up. I, I want to talk to Peter how he felt when Jesus said, make sure Peter's there. I think of the Old Testament, that old prophetess, Deborah, and her battle cry as she leads the Israelites against King Jabel on Mount Tabor, and, and, and Israel gets the victory. It's going to be tremendous. It's it, it, it far beyond anything that we can imagine. And then you read in the book of Revelation what John, the, the beloved, John the Revelator, talks about the homecoming. That scene when we're all there. We're all there. And this is what it says in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And they saw a multitude. Church, I want you to know God's not a loser. I don't care what this world says. I don't care what you hear on the news. God is victor, and the victory is his. Can you say amen? Give him a clap offering this morning. Hallelujah. I saw a multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. I got to be careful because I always make stuff dirty. Don't give out any chocolate in heaven. <laughs> in white robes with palms in their hands, crying or singing, salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. I fully intend to be part of that scene, to be part of that celebration. Make no mistake, it's, 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 it's my life's number one priority. It's my life's number one priority. We are living in an age where there is compromise, where there is tolerance, where there is an openness to things that we have never seen before, whether it's outside the church or inside the church, and it's coming into play in our lives. Listen, you have to be a biblical person. You cannot live by what the news channels tell you, what society tells you today, or what the world says to you today. You have to live by the word of God. And if God said it, it is true, and it will always be true, church. Can you say amen? Compromise. Tolerance, making room, being all-inclusive. That's the motto of the world today, inclusiveness. I love to be inclusive. I love everyone. But I love Jesus more. And whether people like me or not, I have to live by what he says in his word. Because I want to be part of that celebration I want to be a part of that multitude that no man could number. See, God wants to remind you and I that we're just passing through. We're just passing through. We ought to have our eyes upon heaven, upon the goal, 
upon we are, where we are going and where we will spend eternity. I, I love to listen, to listen to Christian music, and I love some of the old. How many love the old songs? I love the old songs. And I, I, I have a, a station on the radio that plays a lot of the old songs. And, and I hear it, and it's coming back. I like it so much. And it's, it used to be popular, but it's becoming popular again. I bowed on my knees and cried holy. When we see Jesus, we will bow on our knees and we will cry holy. The songwriter, the songwriter mentions the things, different things that we'll see. But the most important thing is when you and I see Jesus. That is the thing that we ought to long for the most is the moment when you and I meet Jesus. When you get your first glimpse of him, John tells us of that moment. And as I have studied and as I read and as I prepared for the message this morning, I have wept so many times over this. It, you know, it talks about a multitude that no man can. We're, gonna, we're not going to have human eyes in heaven. We're going to have spiritual eyes. And we'll be able to see the vast multitudes of people. We'll have glorified vision. We'll be able to see the entire vista of heaven. And John tells us that we, we, we will have an opportunity to sing and to worship the God who sits upon his throne. I, I feel sorry for people that don't know how to worship. You know, I, I really do. You're going to feel a little out of place in heaven because that's what we do up there. And I'm not just talking about clapping. That's, that, that's the easy way out. Anybody can clap. But to sing and make melody in your heart unto the Lord. To tell Jesus that from your heart to his, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're wonderful. You know, many Christians just want, want to sit back and relax a little bit. Listen, you can't do that. You've got to get ready for heaven you got to get ready to meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll, we'll, sit around, we'll, we'll stand around his throne and, sit and, and sing and say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. As that song ends... And as we're looking upon God, the Father who sits upon the throne, we see that he has a large scroll in his right hand. We can clearly see it. We can see the seals that bind it, that bind it closed, that we cannot see the content of that scroll. And the Bible says that God raises his hand and holds the scroll towards us. Over the throne of God, there are four massive Angels called seraphim. Each of these angels have six wings. They are covered with eyes. The first seraphim looks like a lion. The second like a calf. The third has the face of a man. And the fourth appears like an eagle. Now one of the beasts opens his mouth and he speaks. And his voice thunders throughout heaven. Throughout the heavenly realm. And he says, who is worthy to open the book? And to loose the seals thereof. Amazing. God wants one of us to venture across the sea of crystal. 
to pass the seven fiery manifestations of the Holy Ghost, to ascend to the throne through the gauntlet of light, of lightning and thunder, and dare to take the book from his mighty hand. John tells us again by revelation, as people look around and they wait to see who will go, no man in heaven nor under the earth, nor under the, uh, nor under the earth will be able to open the book, neither to look therein. Can you imagine the disappointment on, the, on John's heart and in his spirit not to be able to open that book? But suddenly, suddenly there is movement. People begin to look up. The assemblies, they open their eyes and they begin to look around. What is this? Who is this one who strives across the golden floors of the throne room? Who is this one who seems to represent all of us in his approach as he walks across the crystal sea? The cry pierces everyone, and you hear it. Behold, behold, look, look, look. It is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. It is God's Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And it says, we shall behold him for we shall see him as he is, King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who rules and reigns forever and ever. Come on, give him praise in his house this morning. What a day that will be. Do you want to be there? Do you want to see him in his glory? That's what it says. We shall behold him and face to face in all of his glory. Oh, I can scarcely, scarcely take it in. In my mind, David said it this way, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high, and I cannot attain unto it. All these years I have walked by faith, looking with spiritual eyes alone unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. But now, at that grand moment, I will no longer walk by faith. You will no longer walk by faith. You will walk by sight. For you shall see him as he is. And you shall know him as you are known. Come on, church. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. That's what is waiting for us at heaven. Now is not the time to back off. Now is not the time to let down. Now is not the time to make excuses. But now is the time to press into Jesus more than ever before as we see the day approaching of his coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think of that moment when we will have the wonderful opportunity to see him face to face. Listen, I'll tell you this. When that moment takes place, I don't think any one of us this morning will have the slightest thought of what we gave up on this old earth. I don't think any of us will look back with any kind of regret. You're not going to think about the car that you drove before you were raptured or before you passed into heaven. You're not going to think about the house that you lived in. You're not going to think about that position that you had in this world. You're not going to remember the hurts or the slights that people did to you that seemed to trouble you so much and keep you, keep you depressed and keep you down. 
You won't be thinking about the insurmountable barriers, the frustration that you had to go through in life, the struggles that you had. You're not going to be thinking about those things. No. One glimpse of his dear face and all sorrow will erase. Till then, I will bravely run the race until I behold Christ. Oh, how our hearts, how your heart and my heart this morning should be full of anticipation. Looking forward to that day when we come into Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God the heavenly assembly and church of the firstborn. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkling of his precious blood. Think about that. You and I will come into his presence, not beaten down, not weary, not discouraged, not depressed, and with no physical ailments whatsoever, but we will come with newness and power and strength because we are with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's given you and I a glorified body, hallelujah, a body that will live for eternity. Come on, give him praise in his house this morning. That's what our hope is. That's where we're going. That's what we believe, God. That's what the Bible tells us, hallelujah. A new covenant is what he offers you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. A new covenant of your sins to be forgiven, of your past to be eradicated, of you to be made new, with new life, a new beginning, and know that you have an eternal hope in him. What a moment that will be. What a moment that will be when we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved, a mountain that cannot be shaken, a light that cannot be extinguished, and life that will never end. Time does not permit me to talk about all that heaven is about. Yes, the streets are made of gold. That's what the Bible tells us. There are many physical wonders that we will have in heaven. The beauty of the walls, the beauty of the streets, the beauty of the buildings. There's a river that flows it flows through that wonderful place. It's clear as crystal, and it proceeds out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. Nor can I describe to you the golden avenues that wind beneath the tree of life that bears 12 manner of fruits every month and yields her fruit every month, as I said. Nor can I elaborate here on the glorious truth that there will be no more curse. I don't know, for some reason, I thought I never would get old. I had a rude awakening. How many can say amen? One day you wake up and you find <laughs> what you could do so easily before now becomes a problem to do. But I got news for you. We're going to go back again. and be, In fact, we'd be better than we were when we were 35. <laughs> what a hope we have. No more curse, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more heartaches, no more curse. You see, the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in that holy place where we dwell. And there'll be no night there. There'll be no need of candle or the light of the sun. 
for the Lord God will give us light and we shall reign forever and ever and ever. My dear friends, it may be, it may be a moment, it may be before we leave this place that God will call us home. Or it may be a month or two. But soon we shall stand with our Lord. And in that instant, all things will appear in a new perspective. Suddenly, the things that I thought important, tomorrow's task, tomorrow's church supper, tomorrow's dinner, my success, my failure, those that we wanted to please, those that we wanted to, to help, will not matter at all. And the things to which we gave so little thought of, the word about Christ to the man next door, yeah, I'll, I wanted to talk to him, but I never got around to it. The moment of earnest prayer for the missionaries around the world that we just seem to forget about because we're so busy. The confessing and forsaking of the secret sin that we know holds us back from going to the depths that God wants of us. wants me to be in him that matters first more than anything else and God wants you and I to be right with him more than anything else a few months back in my devotional time the Lord spoke to me he sort of reminded me you know how many, how many have a, a cell phone and I, I, I got to enjoy playing those little games, you know. I play Sudoku, and, but then I found there's some other ones. And before you know it, I had three or four different ones on when I would put the balls in the right place and, and, and find the little plates and so forth. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Lord, he said to me, he said, listen, you spend more time on those games than you do on your face before me. How much time do you spend with the King of Kings? You're going to spend eternity with him. How much time are you spending now? Are you utilizing the opportunity you have to know him and to go deeper in him? Listen, we're coming into some dark days. The world is not going to get better. The Bible says that. But he also says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh when you see these things coming to pass. And I was overwhelmed by the truth of that. Once again, God brought it back to me. It was more, far, far more important for me to be what he wants me to be and to know that I have right standing with him and to know that I'm living a life that pleases him. Are you living a life that pleases Jesus? Is he your first? Is he the most important one in your life? In heaven, we'll wish with all of our hearts that we could reclaim a thousand part of the time that we let slip through our fingers by watching television, reading a book that has no value, and we didn't spend time with the Master. Where we could have spent time with the glorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Five minutes after we're in heaven, I believe, we'll wish with all of our hearts that we had been more faithful share this wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ that we would have 
spend more time to know him and to make him known. A thousand thoughts will pass through our hearts and through our minds. We will be overwhelmed by the grace of God that admits us. We're, we're failure. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. The only good thing in me is what God puts within me. I was thinking about that this morning. It was a time in my life when I had to make a decision when I'd serve God or go into the world. God was so faithful. He put someone in my way who spoke to me. And I knew that God meant business with me. Isn't God faithful? Isn't he faithful? Oh, it's his grace. We're not worthy. But he chose us. He chose you. He chose me. We come to know him as Lord and Savior. And we'll be overwhelmed by that grace as he admits us into our heavenly home. I wonder at our aimless life here. I, I, I'm sure we'll say, well, I, I wish I would have done that. I, I, I wonder if you can wish in heaven. We'll, we'll have some desires. I wish this and I wish that. and Maybe I, I should have done that and I should have done that, but it'll be too late. Soon we shall be in the presence of the Lord who we claim that we serve. Don't you think we should live that way right now? Don't you think that we should live as though salvation was real? That God's grace is God's love is real. Aren't you thankful this morning that you and I still have time? The time to look at our lives and say, Lord, am I living for you? Am I serving you? Am I ready? It's coming. He's coming back. Heaven is there. It's a reality. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. But where I am, you shall be also. Listen, this is not a dream. This is not a story. It's not make-believe. A new day, a, a new week draws upon us. God help us to live now. Now in the light of a real tomorrow. But Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Are you still pressing in? Are you still fighting the good fight? Are you still believing? Are you still desiring and walking with him? Bow your head. That's the word that the Lord has for the church this morning. He's coming back. He wants us to be ready. I know he wants me to be ready. I know I have to jettison things of this world that just seem to take up my time. I have to say no to things that outwardly are good, but inwardly and spiritually they don't do me any good. I have to turn my eyes upon Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, friends, God loves you. I love you. And I want to admonish you, get close to Jesus. Now is not the time to relax. Now is not the time to be indifferent. Now is the time to look the other way. But now is the time to press into Jesus. He's coming back. He's coming back. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trump of the Lord will sound. My question, of course, is for those that are here this morning, are you ready? Are you born again? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Do you know that if your life came to an end today, this moment, would you be ready to see him?
Would you be ready to take your place around his throne and worship him? Are you ready? I'm certainly happy and excited to tell you there's still time for you because you're hearing this message. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart this morning, he's calling you to give your life to him. He's calling you to accept the one who is your sacrifice, who died on the cross for you. He loves you. He wants you in heaven with him. And there's only one way to get there, and that is through Jesus Christ. But he's available this morning. He's available to you. Heads about eyes are closed. I'd like to pray a prayer for you. For those here this morning that would like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. No one's looking around. This is a very personal thing, but I want you to raise your hand. You're not raising your hand to me. You're raising your hand to God and say, God, I want you in my life. Jesus, I want you in my life. Would, would you do that right now? Just If you want to pray a prayer of forgiveness, just raise your hand. Signify 